Are you tired of people always telling you what you want to hear and not what you need to hear? Me too. Are you ready to actually do something about it? Hi, I'm Lauren Lahav, and for the past 30 plus years, I've been blessed to speak and to impact thousands of people around the world. I've shared the stage with the world's top thought leaders, including Barbara Walters, Tony Robbins, Barbara Corcoran, and Gary Vaynerchuk. I'm also a personal development, lifestyle, and business coach, event producer, and entrepreneur with businesses in over 25 countries. I'm a wife and a proud mama to three and a bonus mom to one. Trust me when I tell you, it took me many years of buying into my old story of I'm not enough and lots of grit to finally let go of the BS. So I understand firsthand what it means and what it took. They don't call it the school of hard knocks for nothing. This podcast is my way of breaking down the BS filters of what we say, what we do, and how we interact with others. I will be sharing what worked for me, yet more importantly, what didn't work for me. This is a no fluff podcast where we will address real life issues, real issues that seem to surface when you least expect it, relationship conflict and breakdowns, and real solutions. I will share from my life experiences and those of other everyday heroes, as well as the world's top experts are all here to help you grow through the process of letting go and finally expressing your true voice, who you are and what you stand for. In a world of political correctness and living our lives on social media, it's hard to know what is real. And are you taking in so much information, but not applying what you've learned? In my life, I always look to the people who understand what I'm going through and are willing to get honest and forthcoming with me to help me grow through these challenges. Trust me, I've had them all, and I'm going to take the time to be as real as possible and get to solutions. I've had financial issues, parenting issues, marriage issues, emotional issues. You know, the list goes on. I've learned from my challenges, I've grown from them and continue to learn from them. I see them now as opportunities. With this podcast, we're going to tune up our lives. I'll be your cup of espresso to get you through whatever you're going through in your life that's holding you back, to give you that confidence and trust of knowing someone is there to help and guide you, yet you have to do the work. So strap in, hang on tight, and let's get real. And uh, this one, I'm super excited that you have championed behind the Own Your Worth. It's happening next week. Can you believe it? It's very exciting. And I would say this is not one of your crazy ideas. This is one of your friggin' awesome ideas. <laughs> exactly. The crazy ones that led me to this one, right? Like the, that's the great thing with regards to it. Well, I'm very excited to share with you today. Joelle, I'll give you a little bit of her amazing background I met Joelle, would have been probably 30, probably 30 years 31 ago. 31 years. 31 years ago. And I remember I remember when it was, was when we first came, Tony went to, um, was going to the UK and they said, it'll never work in the UK. You're American. I remember the first city that we went to was Harrogate. And then, um, and I was like, oh my gosh, if it works in Harrogate, like I remember seeing those guys and I was like, if it's going to work here, it's going to work everywhere. And then I think, I met you because you were taking him to go meet Princess Diana, or it was at the House of Commons or something. Tell a lot of we did our about that cool stuff. story because it's a cool story. It was very Talk cool. So when I met Lauren initially, I was living in London 
and I was extremely in a very miserable relationship. And, um, and my mother and in her infinite wisdom said to me, you know, I know you're unhappy, but I've got the perfect solution for you. And she sent me Tony's tapes. And of course, living in London at that time, I never heard of Tony Robbins. We didn't have infomercials. We didn't have anything. So I had no idea who he was. And I remember I put in the first tape into my, my car, my Fiat Tempra tape player. And I heard Tony's voice talking about who you really were. And I remember I burst into tears and I thought, oh my God, I just got my life back. I just remembered who I was again. And then the greatest gift that my ex gave me was he said, well, if you thought it was so great, why don't you see if you can bring him over to the UK? And of course, in my naivete, I sent a, a fax. You remember those? I sent a fax over to Robbins Research and said, you know, I'm an American talent agent living in London. If Mr. Robbins wanted to do an event in the UK, I'm sure I could get a couple hundred people together in a room. And they sent me a very nice note back saying, thank you very much. But Mr. Robbins does events for several thousand people. And I was like, okay. And they said, but we just hired a European promoter if you want to uh, be introduced. And so I did. And I was very fortunate. I got hired as the head of uh, marketing and public relations for the European promoter about two weeks later. I was also very fortunate that they had zero interest in personal development or Tony. So I was very lucky every time Tony would come and spend time in the UK or do anything. It was just me and him and him and his wife at the time. And nobody else cared to be around because no one cared about anything he was doing. And I was very excited about it. And I remember one of the first things I did, I went to go visit them in the San Diego office. And I remember I said to Tony, well, who do you want to meet when you're in the UK? And he had these list of people. I said, what, you don't want to meet any of the royal family? And he said, well, do you know anybody? And I said, no, but let's try. So I remember I got uh, one of his Awaken the Giant books. And I said, here, autograph this for Princess Diana. And he said, do you know her? And I said, no, but we'll figure it out. And so I remember it was that and speaking at the House of Commons. And funnily enough, I'll talk about that first. The way that we actually got Tony into the House of Commons was through a minister of parliament at the time named Sir Michael Grills. And Sir Michael Grills was the first Juice Plus distributor that I ever met <laughs> at, uh, 31 years ago. Trying to, I remember Tony and I sitting in the House of Commons tea room and Sir Michael handing us the Juice Plus pills. I remember looking at them and looking at Tony going, should I take him? He's like, yeah, just take him. <laughs> I know what it was back in the day. But with the Princess Diana thing, and this you know, is kind of some of what we're going to be talking about. I was really committed to making this happen for Tony because I thought, you know, he was so amazing. I thought I'm going to pull something off that is like something that he doesn't even think is possible. So every week I would send something to her office. Every single week I would send a tape or I would send an article about Tony or I would send a book. I would send something every single week. And then every day I'd walk into my office and I would say, did Princess Diana's office call yet? And they would all look at me like, no, of course not. And so one day I'm sitting at my desk and of course I get the phone call and they said, Joelle, it's Princess Diana's office on the phone. And I was like, yeah, right. So I pick up the phone. I'm like, hello. And they're like, hello, this is Sir Patrick Jepson from Her Royal Highness, the Princess of Wales office. And I sat there very quietly and they said, you know, before we get into our conversation, you have to promise that you're not going to tell anybody that it's us. So everyone said, is it them? Is it them? I'm like, oh, no, it's just a joke, right? But of course it was them. And um, it was a really, really beautiful um, uh, privilege and opportunity to be able to help to facilitate Tony getting to spend some time with her before she died and when she was going through all this. And, and, you know, part of it, like we're going to talk about, you know, with purpose and passion is, you know, I really believed that he could help her. She was going through a really tough time and it wasn't so much about wanting to necessarily meet her or anything like that. It was like, I really believed with all my heart that he could make a difference for her. And so that was very, very fortunate. And it was very cool to have brought that into his life. And, and um, into mine, I was very, very lucky to get to meet her and it was amazing. 
But I mean, you know, it goes, it, it goes back to just, you know, what we were just talking about, you had the vision. You had the vision, like when he said, do you know anybody? And you're like, no, but we're just going to make it happen. I think there's a lot of people. Um, and I think it's a big reason why we are doing the event. We give people like, it's going to happen, right? And have them like that, that knowingness that it can happen. What do you, what's always given you that knowingness for yourself? Because you've always been like that. I think for me, it's really, you know, it comes down to really, you know, what you and I always talking about, it's really mission. It's like knowing that there's something and it's, it's much bigger than myself. It's something where I can make a difference, whether that was, you know, I mean, obviously you've been through a lot of stuff with me in my life. And many of the people that are speaking at this event have been through some tough things in our lives. And it was like knowing, you know, when my husband died, that I needed to be there for my kid, where it was no, you know, having a real commitment to making sure that when Tony came to the UK, that it wasn't seen as American psychobabble, because I really believe with all my heart that he could make a massive difference for people. And I was really committed to it. And, you know, even most recently, you know, we just did, um, I, I, I've been very, very fortunate to have just recently launched this charitable thing with Tony, um, the 100 Billion Meals Challenge. And we were working on doing this Forbes philanthropy event. And unfortunately, three weeks before the event, our sponsor pulled out and everybody got on the phone and they said, well, I guess it's not going to happen. I was like, are you kidding me? I, I won't say the words I actually used. But I was like, are you kidding me? Of course it's going to happen. Like, there's no way in hell that this thing is not going to happen. And I think it just comes from a real commitment to what your mission is and knowing that, you know, I, I say to my clients all the time, it's like when you set your direction in ways, you don't necessarily know how you're going to get there. You don't know if there's going to be a, do, a detour. You don't know if you're going to run out of gas. You don't know if you're going to, if your car is going to break down, you might take a detour because you want to go see something else. And then you come back to your same destination. But I think it's about getting really, really clear on what the destination is. I think also sometimes people get very, very committed to the way to get somewhere. And when that way doesn't work out, they get very disheartened and they give up and they forget that the way was never the goal. That was yeah. just one option. Yeah. So I think for me, it's just really, really being clear on what the mission is and, and really what it is that you're trying to create. And then it doesn't matter how you get there. You'll find a way to get there no matter what it takes, right? Yeah. And it might take a little bit longer. Like you said, you might have to take a couple detours. It might take not, you know, where they say you overestimate what you can do in a year and underestimate what you can do in a decade or two decades oh. or three decades with regards to, you know, I, I <laughs> right. I was just thinking of what, one of the most defining moments for me in my life, Joelle, was when you guys got married in Fiji and Tony asked me to come and do life mastery. It's a big, that's when I decided to write the book, you know, um, the greatest love. And I remember everybody a lot of people were like, well, why are you going to write a book? Right? Like, why you? Like, you're a new mom. What do you know? And I'm like, I don't, I just know I'm supposed to write this book. I know I'm just supposed to do that. But it happened there when we were in Fiji. And I think the saving grace for me with, with regards to it was the community that was around me, right? Where people, where we had this, you know, belief, we always have this belief, you'll find a way, right? We'll find a way. Um, and I think that's what all of us are so hungry for as well. I know some of the ladies that you've recommended to come be with us. I mean, their stories are extraordinary of, you know, what they've been through and, but they, they were patiently persistent. I think that's another big thing too, is just being totally. patiently persistent. But um, when you were, let's go, let's keep talking about this because it was such fun times, right? When everybody, when we did first go, you are an Amer you were American that was living in the UK um, and at the beginning, it. <laughs> right, this isn't going to work over there. 
Yeah. Right. And what, and then the, when people were like, wow, there's some real value here. What did you notice that shifted in you with regards to your belief, even about what's possible? I think the biggest thing is, you know, I think sometimes, you know, there was this woman who was on America's Got Talent, this beautiful young girl. I don't know if you remember her, her name was like Night Song or something. And she was this beautiful young girl and she was, she had terminal cancer. And I saw her do an interview with Anderson Cooper, Chris Cuomo or somebody. And she was saying that she kept waiting for the big miracle of being cured. And every day when the big miracle didn't come, she was missing all the little miracles along the way. And when she finally decided to like really focus on the little miracles along the way, she had so much joy in spite of the fact that she wasn't getting the big miracle. And I think part of it for so many of us is we set these expectations or we set these goals that are, you know, these huge lofty things. And I'm all about huge lofty goals. I mean, a thousand percent. I mean, look, we're doing a hundred billion meals challenge. You know, it's like you can't get a bigger, loftier goal. But it's about recognizing those little wins along the way and having those little wins along the way really fire you up and fire you forward and to be able to recognize them and to appreciate them. You know, we talk a lot about gratitude and being appreciative and people tend to be grateful for these things outside themselves. And I think that the first place where you really get power from is gratitude for the things inside. Like when I write in my journal every day, I'm gratitude. My gratitude is for my gifts and talents. My gratitude is for the opportunities that have been in front of me. My gratitude is for the people that I've been able to bring into my life, like you and other like extraordinary people over the years. That to me is my evidence that I'm on track. You know, it's like, so we've got to look for things I think that can really fire us up. And then, you know, in bringing Tony over every time we would have someone's life change, every time somebody would come and tell us that it, it was so incredible to them to have this experience, that was enough to get fired up. And I think it's really staying connected to your purpose. And I think also just going back to something you said also about building the community. I think one of the greatest gifts, I think for you and I, and for a lot of our, our immediate circle of friends from back in the day is, you know, when you were around Tony, there was no option. Like you had to figure out how to make stuff happen. And I think being in an environment and holding yourself accountable at that level was like the most incredible gift in the world. You know, I remember being yeah. in Singapore at two o'clock in the morning and Tony saying, I want a film crew tomorrow. And I would say, what do you mean tomorrow? Today's tomorrow. <laughs> the event starts in six hours. He's like, well, we need a film crew. Right. I'm not going to go back to Tony Robbins and say, well, I can't get a film crew. So right. I remember being out in a taxi cab out in the jungle in Singapore oh, yeah. looking for a news oh. crew, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, I remember. I remember my favorite one was when he was in vancouver and wanted to go um bungee jumping the next day but the i think the the um plane had arrived but customs was closed so i had to, i'm like what am i going to do he's going at like eight in the morning and i'm like well i guess i've got find some places i've got some places that have like some shorts and some you know a shirt <laughs> that'll fit them and all of that but that resourcefulness like you said causes yeah. us to be in this place of like okay if the sponsor falls out we're still making it happen yeah right? we're figured it, out that it it's like there there is no out right like the, to give ourselves that out what do you mean that's not even an option with regards to things so it, like you said it's the it's the perspective and it's really those practices that we've learned what have been some of the practices that you feel um have really given you that that fuel to make anything happen i think for one of them is i'm very very clear on what my my purpose and my mission is and um 
you know, I'm, I've always like, even just like every day, I always start my day going, what are my most important intentions and objectives for today? Because there's a million things on my to-do list, but there's only a couple of really important things. Like, you know, I, I, a coach. So, you know, for me, like one of my most important intentions every single day, one of my most important objectives is to add value to my clients. So I'm very clear on that. So whatever I need to do to add value, and it means how I show up, it means, you know, the resources I add to them, it means my level of presence and focus. So that having that as my objective informs so many other things about how I'm going to end up handling my day. So being really, really clear on my objectives and my purpose has always been an important practice. I think, you know, to your point, and this is something which I'm so excited about this event for is building your network. You know, you are beyond, I mean, I, I remember back in the day, like everywhere we would go, you were always handwriting notes to people. Every time we I was like, you'd like send birthday cards to people you'd met one time at an airport. And like, but the amazing thing is five years later, you needed something or you had something going on. And it's like, hey, I know somebody, I met them at an airport in Taipei. You know what I mean? But I think that you know, the value of really building your network and really understanding that it is the most important asset that you could possibly have. You know, um, one of the things that uh, unfortunately or fortunately I went through in my lifetime and you were ringside seat for that was, you know, losing all my money in 2008. You know, I went from never having to work again, having millions and millions of dollars of equity and property to literally being homeless with my kid. And, you know, the advantage that I had that so many people don't have is that my network was incredible. So when I went to go look for a job, I had incredible people to go to, to be able to find a job, to get back on my feet faster than I would have if I had had to be starting to build a network from scratch. So I think people don't really understand. This is a lesson I'm sure, you know, you teach to your boys and, and to Asher and I teach to Jackson is it is your most valuable asset. You should never, ever, ever underestimate the importance of building a network of people from all different walks of life, from all different areas that are that the one thing that you have to in common is you have a, a common mission of wanting to, to do good or wanting to make a difference. Beyond that, the, the broader your network is and the more people you have in it, the more access you have to everything. You know, and and that's been probably the most important practice I've learned is really building a network and, and staying in contact with those people and always adding value. Yep. You know, as much as you can, always adding value, finding a way you're the best at it of giving more than you can get and and doing it with no attachment. You know, so many people go through life. They're like, well, I'll do this because this will happen or I'll do that and, you know, whatever. And it's really not about that. It's 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 so many times it's giving for giving sake just because it feels good and it's the right thing to do. And that practice, it's not like it's a tit for tat kind of uh, thing like that. It's more of the practice of creating the energy of generosity and abundance and, and having people feel that they want to help you on your mission just because they want to, not because they owe you or anything like that, but just because you've built that network so strongly. I think that's probably the most important. I think the really being clear on what your intention is and building your network are probably two of the most important things I've learned over the years. And then always finding a way. I mean, that's the other thing is being very, very, very aware of that there's always another way to get somewhere. I'll never forget when we were in Fiji, my first time in Fiji, and we were doing the 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 big hike that Tony likes to do. I can't remember where we were going, but I'm not a hiker. Full disclosure, everyone's hiking during the pandemic. I'm not one of the hikers in the pandemic. But I remember looking at the top of this mountain and being like, how the hell are we going to get up there? And Tony said, and I'm sure he wasn't trying to be profound, but I think it was very profound. He said, the closer you get, the paths will appear. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the other thing is just you got to keep moving forward. 
Yeah. You know, and, and you just got to make a practice of taking some type of action to move forward. And if you keep taking action, the paths will appear. I love that. I love it. And it's so true. Like you, you were talking about the hundred billion meals. I remember meeting him in 1989 and it was, he was excited about a hundred meals. Right. And yep. so once again, though, just keeping moving forward and it's like, okay, well then you get a network of people that get excited about the vision of it. And then it grew that he shared it at events. And then he, launched a foundation. And then he's like, wow, I can really get there faster. And I think that when you say that, that that really, that's how he, how he makes all of those great things happen with regards to everything. The other thing was that, you know, the importance of community. And that's really, as you know, a big reason why Own Your Worth is so important um, to me and hopefully to help everybody else out is that I see everybody out there like trying to create all of these things and pouring all their money. I'm like, why don't we just do it together? Like, we're gonna, why don't we, why don't we have, you know, why don't we all help each other rise in this beautiful, we're, and we're all diverse. There's a total, my belief is that there's enough for everybody with regards to everything. And like we said, that our outcome is really to get people where I'm going to use, Tony uses the word, but I remember when Joss used it at Date with Destiny, he said, I'm going to go into college going from a boy to a man and I want to be unshakable. So I remember just that feeling of when my kids stood up and said he wanted to be unshakable. And what does unshakable really mean to you? And I think as you know, women, that that's a big thing. Like when your kids are going through different stages in their lives where you got to be unshakable for them, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you had to be that for Jackson and the community going back to the community. Like you said, I've seen you go through a lot. I mean, when Eric passed away, I mean, the, the, the community was there like right away, you know, I mean, and how many people don't have that community um, the way that you do. And like you said, like it was um, really surrounding yourself with people that genuinely there was no agenda. It was just like, what can we do to help and what can we do to serve? And um, that's, as you know, I think that everybody that's really part of this event, the big thing is that they are very mission driven with regards to that. Um, so what, what would you say for everybody right now about, you know, through this mandatory pause, you like to call, I don't, I don't call it the pandemic. I call it the mandatory pause in the world. <laughs> Got us to just yep. kind of stop, take inventory, really look and reflect and just think about, you know, how are we going to reinvent and re, you know, take what we say that we've been wanting to do and really turn it into reality. What, what was the biggest thing that you learned during that mandatory pause? You know, it's so interesting. So like, you know, I coach venture capital, private equity founders and family offices. That's kind of my niche. And one of the things I found really fascinating during that period of time is I looked at that pause. I mean, obviously the things that were the cause for it were not good. Um, it, it, when you're looking for what the gift is in it, I think one of the greatest gifts was it gave people poetic license. Like I used to say to everybody, you want to quit your job, blame it on the pandemic. You want to start a company, blame it on the pandemic. You want to homeschool your kids, blame it on the, you want to send them here, blame it on, whatever it is. It's the pandemic, right? It kind of gave everybody kind of poetic license to kind of do whatever they wanted to do and to be unapologetic about it. And I think that for a lot of, especially women who've been maybe out of the workforce for a long time, one of the things that this mandatory pause did is it kind of leveled the playing field because a lot of people have been out of the workforce for a period of time now in the traditional manner. So this idea of like, oh my God, I've got this gap in my resume. Everybody has a gap in their resume right now, right? So I think it, it's given people a lot of opportunity to 
make the changes that they wanted to make or try the things they wanted to try. And it's kind of like no harm, no foul. And it's interesting. So a couple of people that I work with, you know, they changed their career during the pandemic and their big stress was, what do I put on LinkedIn? Like, what am I going to say about what I do on LinkedIn? I said, okay, let's just, whatever you're doing, just call yourself a consultant. I'm a consultant. I'm a consultant for this. I'm a consultant for that. Just make up a name for something. It doesn't matter anymore. Right. So I think that that's been like a really, really great gift. And even like, you know, it's not just been the fluctuations from the pandemic or, or the pause from the pandemic. It's also been the volatility of the market. It's also been the way things have changed. We're in unprecedented times. And when you're in unprecedented times, and oftentimes people focus on the scary parts of that, and they focus on the things that are creating uncertainty, there's never certainty. That's an illusion anyway. The only certainty you ever really have is certainty in yourself. What some of these volatile things have done, though, is it's created a space for people to say, look, I need to get really clear on what I want to do. And right now, the, the rules are all like all the rules are off, right? This is a time you can, you know, I have people that I coach who are founders like, oh, well, you should run a company this way. No, no, we're going to run it this way, right? This is just, these are, these are unprecedented times. So I think that there is a gift in that opportunity to really not just reinvent yourself, but to just change the way that you play the game and the way that you operate. And I think to your point about the community piece as well is, I think people underestimate how much other people like to help and they tend to think they're going to be a burden or they think that somehow what they have, you know, we were talking about our friend, Melissa, who's one of the speakers at this event, who's like this amazing, extraordinary woman. So she was on dance moms for years and years and years who two, her two daughters, Kenzie and Maddie Ziegler are both like powerhouse superstars in their own right that are doing film and television and, you know, records and all this kind of stuff. And Melissa said, when we were preparing this event, I have nothing to put in my resume. I said, Melissa, are you kidding me? You're like this celebrity mom. She's got 4 million, 5 million followers. She does a podcast with these other moms. She's out feeding the world every week and making a difference. But her perception of what her value was, wasn't as high as even the outside world would see it as, right? So I think that there is this, this thing that we have, especially as women, where we feel like we're not worth other people's time. And that's why I love the name of Own Your Worth. You're, everybody's worth someone's time. Everybody has an opportunity to make someone else feel valuable by letting them contribute to you. And I think that when you create a network of people that really do come together for this purpose, and they all know, look, that's what we're here for. It takes away some of that hesitation to reach out. So people can say, look, I know I can reach out to these people. That's why they came right? That's why they were here was to build community and to be part of this. And I think that that's, you know, one of the most powerful things, but, you know, back to the pause thing, you know, again, this is an unprecedented time. This is a time to try anything, right? And again, it may be a detour on the way to your destination, but that's okay. As long as you know what your destination is, it's the right time to try a new road. You know, maybe you want to see something scenic this time because last time you just went straight at stuff and you didn't get to, or maybe last time you meandered too much and you were too scenic and this time you need a more direct route. So I think that there's, there's a lot of value that can be got from just, just recognizing the fact that kind of all bets are off, you know, we can do it any way you want to now. It's so funny because uh, Quinn, I don't know if you remember, Quinn was a junior in high school and he went through, he had a knee injury playing lacrosse and he ended up homeschooling the last year, um, year and a half of his, of his high school years. And uh, I signed on for some online school course that he did. And I remember sending out his graduation card. It says, 
no proms, no this, no graduation ceremonies. This and I said, look, Quinn, you were a trendsetter. Look at this. This was three years before the, you know, the, the, the pandemic actually happened with regards to everything. And we were just talking, though, about it, how it helped him so much when his friends were going through it. Right. Like. I think for me, I've always worked from home. I think you've pretty much always worked from home for a very short amount of time that I didn't work from home. And I'd taken one of our houses that was a rental and we just decided to turn it into my office. So I moved everything over there to the house, you know, to be the, um, over there to be my office. Sorry, he's talking in the background. Apologize. Hang on guys. I'm on a podcast right now. <laughs> anyway. They, um, <laughs> oh, no, working at home. That's part of the, part of the plan. So um, during that time, I, I like moved everything over there to the office and I was like, this is great. Well, then some people in the neighborhood complained that I was working from my house, right? Great. So guess what happened? That beautiful divine intervention of that mandatory positive, everybody was working from home, right? So um, I think that the biggest thing with regards to it, that I was able to help so many people, I felt so blessed. I, because I had worked from home for so long and a lot of people were confused about how to do this. How do you, you know, how do you get people to actually show up and do the work? I, I love that I had already been there before. And so that's what I'm excited about as well with regards to putting this together with so many people. I love when we did a call about a month ago with all of the speakers. Do you remember this? And they were, they didn't know each other. And I, just this beautiful, these new friendships that were being created, right? When you guys talked about getting together, those of you in LA that didn't really know each other. And then this one, I just saw that um, one of my friends was out with Melissa, right? And then they just connected and just, you never know. That's why when you ask me, I do talk to everybody. I, I do talk to everybody because I love to hear people's story. And that, like you said, their story really does matter. And to remind women especially that your story matters no matter no matter if you're eight or 88 your story matters whether you're just starting on off on this beautiful journey or if you're a sage with tons of experience right like how much I mean your mom I learned she was a pioneer so and uh, just with regards to contribution and always giving back and what a great role model she was for us I think, you know, you never know what's going to move you. You never know what's going to get you inspired. You just don't. And that's why it's so important. One of the things I love and I respect so much about Tony is, you know, I remember the first time he came to the UK and I love the fact that he treated the doorman at the hotel with the same respect that he would treat a member of the House of Parliament. And I, you know, that was such a great lesson because you never know where you're going to learn something from. You never know where that lesson is going to be. But also, I was going to say too, like with the whole pandemic thing, you know, I think some of us forget how resourceful we had to become these last few years. And we don't give ourselves enough credit for the things that we did figure out. I mean, if you can figure out how to homeschool your kid and still keep a job, if you can figure out how to create community when you're when you're separated, you can figure out how to celebrate your kid's birthday on a Zoom, you know, like all those different things. We had we did have to create a lot of ways to be resourceful and ways to be able to help each other out and to create community. You know, so many people were educating their kids in pods. 
you know, they were coming together and they were quarantining together and using a teacher together and they became, you know, this little, this little community. There's so many things that we all did learn over these last few years that we can certainly, you know, cross contextualize to other parts of our life and, and to be able to learn from. So being able to learn from each other, one of the other things I'm excited about from the event is helping people to really learn from themselves. Yeah, you know, and and tapping into their their power and to, into their greatness and remembering really who they are. I mean, you're amazing at helping to create that for people. I always say you do everything like a bar mitzvah. <laughs> everything is like it's better than you could ever imagine. And I love the fact that you call it the own your worth experience because everything you do is an experience. It's always been. I mean, people could come volunteer for something at Thanksgiving and you give them a gift bag for for coming to thank them for coming, right? But there's you know. That really recognizing that everybody's presence and, and and their participation is a gift and it is something that you recognize and that you do look inside yourself and see what those gifts are that other people are seeing. And I don't know, you'll probably remember this, Lauren, but do you remember when we did the thing in Sheffield, England with Tony? Of course I remember Sheffield. That was right after, hang on a second, oh, you guys, I went to fascinating cities. I think the first time I ever traveled outside the country, at, at the United States, and I went to Harrogate as the first city and thought then, that was bad. <laughs> that was bad. Then you took me to Sheffield and then you took me to Nottingham. And then I'm oh, like, exactly. where the heck am I? I'm like, I wanted all I wanted was some Mexican food back in the United States. And not in Sheffield. But you know, the thing with Sheffield that was so fascinating was Sheffield was a third generation unemployed city. Yeah. They had been a steel hub and the steel factories were shut down. And so you had literally people who kids who'd never seen their parents or their grandparents have a yeah. job. I remember um, Tony was planning on coming and doing this a bit, big event. And we had the Sheffield Arena and the person who was coming in the day after us was Garth Brooks. And I remember that Tony, Tony sat there. I've never seen him do this before. I remember he sat there. We were looking at the arena. We were sitting up at like the logistics area in the arena. I remember him he looking at me and he went, do you think people are going to come? I was like, I have no idea. But I remember in part of our preparation for that event, um, I went and did some workshops at the school, at the elementary school. And there was this little boy there and we were kind of going through and I was asking people, you know, we were doing an exercise where you come up with the belief and the belief was I'm special. And, you know, Tony would always teach a belief is a feeling of certainty. It's the tabletop. And then your references for that belief are all the legs yeah. on the table. So I said to this little boy, I said, well, what makes you special? And he couldn't think of anything. Right. And he was just his face and he was just so sad. He couldn't think of anything. And one of the other kids said, he's really good at video games. Hmm. And another kid yelled out and said, he's really funny. And the next thing you know, we had like 30 legs under this kid's table and he was just beaming. And when it was finished, he looks at me and he goes, Miss Joelle, can I take that home? <laughs> you know, but I think we forget to do that for each other and to really take it in how special we are and what a difference we do make. And I think one of the beautiful things about bringing women together in this kind of environment like this is you really do get to be present to that and doing the exercises together and having the interactions that you do and sharing in the group and participating, whether it's online in the virtual space or in person, it's still that feeling of being part of something and connecting and being seen and being recognized and owning your worth. And I think that um, that's one of the most things, things I'm most excited about next week in doing this is really having, you know, all these thousands of women who really get to have an experience of that through this beautiful experience that you create your little bar mitzvah. Thank you very much. As you know, that's when I had to pivot, right? <laughs> that Asher, I think we were, maybe we can give ourselves the credit of being one of the very first virtual uh, 
bat mitzvahs that we did because uh, her bat was mitzvah awesome. schedule for her April 19th that year. And I remember when it happened, I go, oh, it's not happening. This is not just a two-week thing. And like you said, you just pivot and just figure yeah. it out. Thank goodness I already knew how to use Zoom. I never knew I knew how to what, do that. Look what you did with the studio. Look what Eric, look what Tony did with the studio. Look what Eric Worry's done with the studio. It's like, you know, it's like Tony said, there was no way in hell he wasn't going to do events. Yeah. No, and he was like, okay, we're just going to figure it out. And I think that there's there's a place you get to, like to your point. So the whole thing with this event obviously is mindset, money, and mission, right? All those three pieces. And when you when you're clear on your mission, being able to keep your mindset on track. And being able to do what you need to do to have the resources financially, those things all line up behind it. The most important thing is the mission. And that mission can be being an extraordinary parent. That mission can be being an incredible employee. It's not even about, I've got to go start a business. Like one of the things I think you and I have seen so many times at events is people come through an event like, oh God, I got to quit my job. You know, I'm a dentist. I'm not, I'm not living my mission as a dentist. It's like, wait a minute, hold on. It's not about that you're not living your missions. It's how do you live your mission as a dentist? That's how correct. do you become that person? How do you make that difference? How do you impact those people? So I think that, you know, is when people get really, really clear on what that mission is, that it helps make all your other decisions. It helps to drive you and move you forward. It helps you to go after the resources. I mean, you can't believe the people I went to asking for money for that Forbes event. <laughs> I mean, it was like, because it was going to happen. We were going to launch this thing and we needed to be at that event. And it just, it gave me so much courage right? And and bravery. And it made people listen to me because I was so committed to making it happen. It was like they, were, they wanted to help. Even if they yeah. couldn't, they wanted to. Yeah. And I think that, you know, this, this event and being in this environment, getting really clear on that piece, you know, helps people with everything. I think it'll, it's going to make I mean, I've gotten a lot more courageous, made those phone calls, done those meetings that I was always going to say that I was going to meet with those people or you know, and mostly because I, I really love and respect them. I want, I want, once again, all of, you know, all the tide rise together so that we can help more people, right? We're going to be doing a contribution day. I mean, Joelle, you're a big reason, you know, you're the reason I moved to Vegas and then you left right. me. <laughs> but what I loved and the reason that really got me here was that when everything happened with Katrina and you starting Core of Compassion, I was like, oh my God, how cool they're starting something, you know, to be able to give back. Great. I can move to Vegas, but also I can have a way to plug in and to serve right away. And um, as you know, the day after on April the 2nd, we're going out in the community. We're sending all of the participants out because we say it's not what you do at the event that really matters. It's what you do afterwards. I mean, I just got a text from a wonderful woman who's been to many events that I've done before, experiences that I've done before. And she's like, Lauren, I just want to, you know, what I love is that you make sure it's not just what happens at the event, but that you keep that community going. And yeah. so we're going to send people out into the community to go help. You know, um, we've already got a couple of small organizations here that um, we're going to help with. And, you know, a lot of people come to Vegas, but people don't give back to Vegas. Right. It's like that. It's like we suck, suck us dry a little bit and people don't understand that it's a, it's a beautiful, you know, home for so many people. And I love that it's a city that's founded on blue collar values, right? Like it's a little bit like when you think of Sheffield, a lot of people don't even know what happened here during COVID. There were a lot of people here that um, were performers that couldn't get unemployment because they weren't U.S. citizens and they couldn't go back to their countries. Yep. 
So the community was there for people to literally help people let them live on their couches just until they, they could get back to work. Nobody knows that, right? Yeah. Nobody knows. The service industry in Vegas was so decimated during that time period. But, you know, also people don't realize just in Vegas, it's the fifth largest school district in the United States. Yeah. There's a lot of kids there. And, you know, you and I both know too, when we were there, we spent a lot of time working with um, different elementary schools like Whitney and other places okay. where, you know, 90% of those kids are considered homeless. They don't live anywhere longer than three months. So there's a big opportunity to give back in that way. And Vegas is a, is a, is a very giving community in, in a lot of ways. I think people will be surprised to see that when they come to the event also, but um, no, I mean, the whole thing is, you know, the, everything that you're creating, Lauren, is exactly what people need right now. And, you know, more than ever, I think people are feeling a little bit untethered. You know, it's been a very interesting time. So many of the things that we, we you know, came to believe were fixed and that we could count on just weren't. And, and by no by no one's fault. I mean, it's not like it's a one side or the other side or the, the whole world is different. You know, even people are complaining about things that are going on in the United States. I'm like, you guys, it's happening across the world. You know, it's not isolated things to us, supply chain issues and food issues and climate issues and all those things are, they're global issues. And that gives people a lot of uncertainty. So they look for things to kind of get certainty from, right? They go, okay, well, it's this reason, but that's not where you get certainty from. You get certainty from your ability to handle those things, from your ability to be resourceful, from your ability to find community, from your ability to find solutions and to be able to tap into something larger than yourself. I've got a client right now who's going through a rough time. They just had some things happen in their life. And they said, what do I do? I said, go volunteer. Yep. Get out of yourself, go in, out and volunteer. You're not going to be able to solve the thing that you're working on by staying stuck in the thing you're working on. So get outside yourself and go and make a difference for somebody else. And it does definitely free you up. So, you know, all those things combined, I, you know, I think my greatest intention for this event, and, and I'm so excited to be part of it is for people to leave knowing that no matter what life throws at them, that they can handle it. Yeah. Right. Cause that's the only certainty we can really create and knowing your worth knowing how to build community. If you got dropped on Mars, you'd find a way to com create community. I mean, especially you, um, you know, that I've already started a community yeah. on Mars. You didn't know about it. I, I, I heard I, Elon Musk was talking about it, but you know, it's like for people to really know that, that no matter what happens, they're going to be able to do what they need to do to not only survive, but to thrive. And, you know, I know, you know, this from when Jackson was little, he used to always say to me, mommy, you know, promise me you won't die after he lost his dad. And I said, I can't promise you I won't die, but I promise you, you'll always have love in your life. And I think it's, it's those kinds of things. It's having the certainty that no matter what happens, I can create love in my life. No matter what happens, I can create community. No matter what happens, I can create opportunity. No matter what happens, I can find a way to give back. Those are the things that are really important for everybody to internalize. And that's what I know that this event is going to really do for everybody. Well, I am very excited. One final question. What's something that you do to stay true to yourself every day? Oh, gosh. Um, I, I think it really is that intention setting. I'm very, very clear on what I'm here for. And um, it takes a lot, a lot for me to get off track of that. Cause that really is like the biggest thing. And I think, you know, the biggest thing I think for myself, and I don't know if you feel the same way is I have a friend who um, she's like this incredible healer. And whenever you ask her a question, she goes, I don't know, let me check in with myself. And I used to make fun of her because it was like, what do you mean? Everyone says, Oh, let me check my calendar or let me, whatever. She's like, let me check in with myself. And it's so honest. Yeah. Right. Let me check in with myself. How do I feel about this? 
Do yeah. I actually want to do this or not? Is this yeah. actually true for me? Is this in alignment yeah. with my values and my goals? And I think that's probably the best thing that I've really been learning to do to stay, to stay true to myself is really checking in with myself. I'm not just going to say yes. And yeah. I'm not just going to say no. Yeah. No, I mean, I, it's, it's very interesting that you say that because one of our dearest friends, I won't mention her name, but I remember when I went through my divorce and normally I would just pick up the phone and say yes to everybody. Yes, 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 yes. And I was like in momentum. I was rocking. I was rolling and she called and I hadn't heard from her in a long time. And so it started this small talk. It started blah, 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 blah. And I was almost like I was waiting for the ask. I could tell there was an ask that was coming. And after about 30 minutes, the ask happened. And I remember taking, it's what I wrote about in Time to Thrive in the book, in the Chicken Soup book. I said, you know what? I took a deep, deep breath in. I said, you know what? I'm going to have to say no. And I, I say that it's the day I went from being a 45-year-old little girl to a woman. And I remember our friend saying, I'll kind of give it away maybe when I say it like this. <laughs> okay. She's like, okay. And so um, I was like, oh my God, that was so easy. That was so easy of me just checking in with myself and going, you know what, do I have the time or do I, you know, do I really, what do I really, what really feels right for me? So I love that. I wrote that down. Let me check in with myself. Isn't that great? Yeah. I'll give that credit okay. to Cindy Schiffer because that's, she says What's that. Her name? What's her name? Cindy Schiffer. She's amazing. Okay. We got to, I mean, you have to credit her for sure. I got to credit Cindy, but it, I think, you know, if that's the one thing for all of us to remember to do is to really check in with ourselves. And I think, you know, one of the distinctions is the difference between really, really checking in with yourself and knowing what's true for you versus having it be through your fear or yeah. through your concern about letting people down or whatever, like really checking in, like even when you're getting that no or that yes coming to you, really ask yourself, where is it coming from? Is it coming from a true desire to want to do it or a true need that's really important for you? Or is it coming out of fear of saying no or letting people down or what that really is? I think that that's really part of checking in with yourself. And I think that that um, is really just a great lesson. I think it's a really, it's, it's, a, it's a fast, easy tool on how to stay true. I love it. I love it. And make sure I get her name spelled right. So, well, thank you, Joelle. Excited. Hopefully you've all been inspired by this. You know, long-term, my, my favorite line is long-term relationships equal long-term success. And uh, grateful. It's three decades, long time. Yep. Been through a lot. Looking forward to many, 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 many more decades. But really looking forward to being with you next week. And you can still get your either virtual ticket um, at www.ownyourworthtickets.com. We make that very simple for everyone. We're going to be having translating in many different languages and having Zoom rooms in many different languages. Some companies have decided to just get their own private Zoom rooms so that they can communicate with each other. Bring everybody, bring your girls, bring your, your grandmas, bring everybody together. So we are excited to be there for you and create this beautiful, intentional community. Thanks. How awesome was today? Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and invite your friends to join as well. I'm here for you with fabulous content, great guests, and lots of giveaways. To learn more of how I have taken what I've learned, applied it to my life, helped others find their true voice, 
text true to 26786, which will give you my top tune ups and a complimentary 15 minute discovery call with one of our coaches. And remember, keep in touch with me on Instagram at I am Lauren Lahav, Facebook, Lauren Lahav Official, Clubhouse, Lauren Lahav. Make sure you text TRUE, T-R-U-E, to 26786. Text TRUE, T-R-U-E, to 26786. And remember to always stay true to the amazing person you are.